What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you're so inclined. I wouldn't suggest it. Twitter is both the best and the worst, really. This week, we are doing Sinister Paradise, which is Nancy Drew Files case number 23, which means that we're leading up to Files 24, which has a special place in my heart, and I'm going to be squealing a lot, but this week's episode, um, we're picking up in May of 1988. The cover, because this is what you're here for, um, the cover is mostly white, actually. Um, Nancy is, again, rocking a definitely red hair. That's what's going on in this one. She's also tanned, which I'm like, again, you're, you're kind of contradicting yourself, but it's fine. She has picked up the finest in Old Navy fashions for her this cover. She is wearing a sweetheart neckline sundress that has interesting things going on with the waistline, actually. She's got, like, the kind that, like, kind of V's in the front, so it's up at the hips, but then kind of low in the front, which, interesting choice, cover artist. It's white with pink flowers on it, and it's got laces up the front, which, of course, make me think of Nancy's lingerie for her wedding night with Ned. But everything does, so that's not unusual. Um, There's a guy in the middle ground who is wearing a half-buttoned orange shirt with a blue stripe across the front and some board shorts. Much like most fashions, I mean, if I saw a guy wearing this on the street, I would not actually think twice about it. He is carrying a surfboard because this book is set in Hawaii, and there is a blooming volcano in the background. So that, again, you know that you're in Hawaii. But the cover is actually mostly white, which is interesting. Like, it's lots of whitewashing happening. Um, the Most of the words are in that interesting kind of, like, dusty rose, Barbie, like, Barbie but muted. And then we've got some blue highlights on it just for contrast. So... Again, uh, May 1988 for this one. And like I said last time, we're kind of in a summer trilogy, kind of-ish. I mean, there's a lot of summery things happening, although the beginning of the book, Bess actually refers to, God, back home, there's like a foot of snow. So yeah, they're in su- they're in perpetual summer. Like, let's just be real here. Nancy and her friends are in perpetual summer. Uh, there's no reference to how Ned is with them if there's a foot of snow on the ground back home. Um, but he's there and he's here to soak everything up with his girl. So there's that. Although at one point she introduces him as my friend and I was like, are we back to that? Are y'all having a fight? Cause y'all are pretty romantic in the rest of this book, but okay. This book is kind of interesting in that the contact that Nancy has on this case is a, an old friend of her mother's family whose name is never given. Um, we may have talked about this before, but there's some, there's been a, a reference in another book that made people think that Nancy's mother's maiden name was maybe Austin, maybe. Um, Lady Douglas, who we have not yet run into because she's included the Whistling Bagpipes, which is set in Scotland, and she is Nancy's, Nancy's direct lineage, but anyway. Um, so, but we don't get our mom's name in this. There's another interesting, not really throwaway line, but um, the person that Nancy's searching for is Lisa. Lisa's mother is Diana, and Diana's mother is Alice. And so Alice is the grandmother, and Alice is the one who is friends with Nancy's mom's family. So there's... mm, Okay, Alice's husband is dead. Diana's been married four times and is currently divorced and then Lisa is the product of one of these marriages but is like 
she's the direct lineage is from Diana to Lisa. So there's some weird stuff happening where like basically Diana is raising Lisa on her own. Her most recent ex-husband is kind of still in the picture, but also mostly not. And also isn't Lisa's real dad. Um, and so Nancy has this moment where she kind of looks off in the distance and is like, what if my father had raised me the way Diana raised Lisa? And she was like, damn, that's a bleak thought. <laughs> so, I mean, there's hints of family dynamics here, but it's, it's mostly, it's just really hint E. It's very much like, we're not going to really talk about that because that's not the point of this book. The point of this book is spycraft. So I'm going to say that enemy of the show, L. Ron Hubbard, like, oh my God, it would, it would make all kinds of fucking sense if he were behind this shit. But there's some other interesting stuff going on that I'm like, it's kind of like half L. Ron Hubbard and half colonialism. Colonialism was the villain all along. It's not capitalism, although it kind of is. It always is. Um, this one, Lisa has vanished. Lisa is 16 years old. She's going to school in Hawaii. Um, at one point, Alice refers to, she wants to take Lisa and raise her in Texas. She wants to, quote, go back to Texas. And I'm like, okay, so that's where your family's from. Your family's from Texas. Nancy's mother is never, you have so little information about her. Now, if you go to the computer games, like, they give her an entire backstory, which is really fascinating. But it doesn't, it's definitely separate from the book canon. So, so we don't know anything really about Nancy's mom. There's no reference whatsoever to Nancy looking at Texas and going like, I feel like kinship here. So mm, anyway, okay. So Lisa vanished on, I think, Friday afternoon. Um, Nancy arrives on Monday. They are staying on Alice. Shit, what's her last name? It begins with a T. It's not Trunchbull. My brain has fucking auto-corrected it to Trunchbull. Uh, Faulkner. Why the fuck did, oh, I think it's because somebody else's last name. Anyway, Faulkner. Her last name is Faulkner. I was like, William Faulkner? Maybe also, yes. Okay. Um, so Alice Faulkner has called Nancy out there to search for her daughter, Lisa, not Trunchbull. I don't think she, I think she's, I don't know. I think that at one point in the book, she is going by Faulkner because she's going back to her mother's maiden name. Anyway, Lisa vanished on Friday. Nancy's called out there on Monday. They are staying on Alice Faulkner's mm, yacht motor it's it's a large thing it's a large <laughs> oh god it's got enough room actually that all four of them are staying on it nancy ned Bess, and george are staying on it it it's never really explained why the fuck they're staying there instead of it at like a fucking hotel or whatever the fuck but i mean it's fine um the book opens with god they're like, they're doing beachy things and they're commenting on how wonderful it is. And ooh, I think that they're actually maybe at the pool at Alice's house. Anyway, it's, it's Hawaii. They're having a lot of fun. Yeah. I think they're at the pool at her house. Um, they're just having a good time. They're just having a, a good ass time and it's, it's Hawaii. And Nancy also makes a comment in this book that Hawaii has the only international airport. So if somebody wants to fly to another country, like they have to fly through Hawaii. And I was like, I know that LAX has been international for a hot minute, but I mean, anyway, so they flew out there taking 17 hours and knowing that nobody, no native people were interested in their arrival. Um, actually, no, there is a point though, that I thought was interesting that at the beginning where George corrects Bess's pronunciation of Hawaii, she's like, it's not Hawaii, it's Hawaii. And Bess is like, shut the fuck up. Um, yeah. 
So Alice has called Nancy in and you're asking yourself, why would Alice call Nancy an 18 year old in to look for her 16 year old granddaughter when this is clearly a case for the police? Well, first off, this is a Nancy Drew book, so we need to make up some bullshit reason why we're not going to bring the cops in. And also, spoiler alert, Nancy's going to bring the cops in almost immediately because reasons. Um, The other thing is that Alice has a controlling stake in a large bank in Hawaii. So she's afraid that if anything comes out that says that her granddaughter has been kidnapped, anything like that, any sort of family drama, anything like that is going to fuck with the stock price. And Nancy's like, cool, terrible reason you should still call the cops. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, cops ain't good for shit, but so Alice is like, well, I really want you to find her. And also Nancy's like, and her mom hasn't called the police. And Alice is like, "Mm, Diana's not, no, she hasn't. She's just more irritated than anything else because she kind of fucking hates everything. She's an artist and she is sensitive. And Nancy's like, so she's a dipshit. Okay. Um, so yeah, what they need to do is track down Lisa. The way that they know that Lisa vanished, other than of course that she didn't pop up where she was supposed to be, is that Diana had an art show or a gallery opening or anyway. She's like I said, she's an artist. She paints. Um, she had she was preparing for a show and she asked Lisa to go out the bank and go to her safe deposit box and get some cash. No, not cashier. Not the cashier. Traveler's checks. She needed some traveler's checks. And Nancy's like, "Why did you need traveler's checks?" When she goes to talk to her. And the woman's like, um, because the hotel that I was going to stay at was experiencing a strike. And I was like, I like it. I like that you're talking about labor conditions. I like it. I wish you'd taken it a step further, but maybe people were not really talking about Native Hawaiians not being into the fact that they were basically conquered. But anyway, so they, she says, yeah, my the hotel I was going to stay at was having strikes. So I was going to have to stay at a different hotel. So blah, blah, blah. And Nancy's like, okay, sure. So. Lisa left school on Friday went and cleaned out the fucking box, cleaned it out, cleaned it out, took the jewelry. Like, I don't think she took everything, but she took like her mother's jewelry. She took some bearer bonds. She took $500,000 worth of bearer bonds, half a fucking million dollars worth. Side note, the only time that I've ever seen bearer bonds reference has been in mystery novels. I've never legit seen one for all I know that they're like the elves that run my car. So Anyway, but she's got $500,000 worth of bear bonds, so she's she's gonna, she's doing good, she's doing good. Nancy's like, why did she maybe want to get out of, why, what, what's going on? And Alice is like, well, her mom is, has recently gone through a divorce, she's kind of an absentee parent, I really want to be more involved in Lisa's life, but Diana really doesn't want me to be, and I just never pressed it, and now I feel like she was acting out, basically, and that's why she did this, so I just really want you to track her down and bring her home so that I can basically tell her that, you know, I I love her and I want to raise her the way that I feel like I really didn't get to do with my own daughter, and Nancy's like, sure, all this tracks, that's sure, okay, so I just need to find a 16-year-old who can't have gotten very far, because again, um, they have already checked the airports, and there's no record of Lisa getting on a plane. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Everybody's like, cool, okay. So they get in their rental car, and they leave Alice's palatial estate, which reminded me rather of the home in Crazy Rich Asians. I was like, 
So it's on this tropical paradise down this long twisty road. Anyway, um, with hairpin turns. And anytime that you're reading a Nancy Drew book and there's some shit with hairpin turns, you know that there's going to be an automobile fracas. So um, the brakes go out on the damn car. And Nancy's driving, of course. And Ned's like, maybe you want to slow down. And Nancy's like, yeah, the fucking brakes have gone out. And so she has to, she executes a fucking pit maneuver. (laughs) Which I fucking love. I love the idea that Carson, when Nancy turned 16, was like, I'm familiar with you and your shenanigans. Well, you're going to take an, a driving course that will cover pit maneuvers. Um, anyway, so basically, she, Ned's like, bank it on over there. And so she banks the car so that it won't stop. She puts it into her lower gear and that still doesn't help. So she banks the car so that it doesn't actually go off the fucking road and down a cliff um and she's like inches away inches away the there's the cliff okay okay so they all get out of the car and they're like wow ned says i think you snapped the axle (laughs) and nancy's like perfect so um she and bess i'm pretty sure haul ass to the closest gas station to call a tow truck the tow truck takes them to the airport, which is where they rented the car. And so Nancy pulls up at the rental car station. She's like, hey, we rented a car from you earlier and we need to lodge a complaint. And the person behind the counter, who oddly enough, the the third person narrator of the book describes as seems kind of shy with big old glasses, seems actually fairly friendly in this text. Like she doesn't she doesn't do what I would have done if I'd been in this situation, which is like set fire to everything and leave. Um so Nancy's like, okay, so your car fucking tried to kill us. We have concerns. And the woman's like, what's your name? And Nancy's like, here's, you know, here's all the information. I've got the rental contract. And she goes, we didn't rent a car to you. And Nancy's like, you fucking did though. Here's the contract. And the girl reads it and she goes, oh, 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 no, no. Um, we didn't have any cars available for you to rent. And so we, um, we contacted you like and Nancy's like when when did you do this again and she's like oh like 12 hours ago and Nancy's like we were on our flight 12 hours ago so if you did try to contact me you would not have gotten me also the car like the car and she goes oh okay okay so let me explain we have a set of cars that we just use for corporate leasing and so you ended up with one of those cars and Nancy's like Okay, but you're still saying that I didn't rent a car. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you didn't. You didn't rent a car. The The people that we keep the car for, for the corporate leasing, they rented your car. And Nancy's like, what? What? The, who? Like, what information do you have about these motherfuckers? And the girl's like, um, they're Ma- the Malahini Corporation, IDK, IDK. They told us that, that you were supposed to get this car, so you got that car. And Nancy's like, okay um where did that how how do you get your cars for for this weird scenario and she's like oh we just get them from local car dealerships basically and Nancy's like can you tell me where this one came from and she's like oh yeah it came from smiling owls and Nancy's like sure that sounds completely fucking legit good job I will be right back so she gets in, I think that um, at this point, Nancy, Bess, and George are together because they left Ned with the car. They were like, you're a man. You can handle this. <laughs> While they're there, actually, Ned calls the airport and he's like, Nancy, I'm I'm at the repair shop and um, the brakes are fucking bald as shit. You did indeed snap the axle. The muffler fucking fell off when, like, this car was fucked. And Nancy's like, 
it's a fucking late model sedan. This shit should not have happened. It should not have. So, um, they go to Smiling Owls and they're like, hey, you, um, we were in one of your cars and it almost killed us. And he's like, no, no. And so Nancy's like, yeah, we rented it from blah, blah. And he's like, well, then I'm not like legally responsible. It's on them. And she, Nancy's like, okay, fucker, if you want to play it that way, then I'm going to go to the Department of Transportation and complain about the fact that you are selling unsafe cars. And he's like, no, 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 let's, let's, let's talk about this. And Nancy's like, okay, how did you get this fucking car? Because he says that the Malahini Corporation contacted him, said that they were going to provide this car, which he was then going to provide to the rental agency. And Nancy's like, and you didn't think this was fishy. And he basically is like, they handed me a shit ton of money. And she's like, cool, cool, cool. Um, Do you have any paperwork or anything? Also, we need a car from you, dipshit. Because clearly the rental agency was full up. So... Um, they get a car from him. Like, it, it's hilarious because Nancy does not pull the toaster strudel card. She does not have to. She's just like, I'm going to contact authorities and tell them that you are trying to kill people. So let's just, let's just see how that plays out. My thing when I sat back was like, are, does this mean that they, um, were just sitting on a decrepit car in case of reasons? Because seriously, anyway, anyway, that's fine. So, um, they pick Ned up and at that point, um, I can't remember how exactly, I think that Nancy doesn't actually get in touch with her. Nancy was on her way to see Lisa's mom when all this shit happened. So of course she got a little bit sidetracked. So she shows up and she was like, I was expecting you, blah, blah. And Nancy's like, so we had an accident. Um, we almost died. Thank you for your concern. Um, can you tell me anything about Lisa? So, Diana spends the entire fucking scene being like, I can't believe she would inconvenience me this way because I have this big art show opening and oh my God, how could she do this? This was very important to me and now I'm distracted and I I don't know what the fuck is wrong with her. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. Wow, you are incredibly self-centered. Okay, can I see Lisa's room? So anyway, so she goes up to Lisa's room and she looks around and everything looks pretty normal. Like nothing seems all that weird or out of place. Um, she does find like there's a personal notepad and it's like, you know, it's got Lisa's name on it. So she, of course it's in Lisa's room. So she sees that there's no, some sort of notation at the top of it. And so she runs the pencil over it and she sees the indentation say Miss M I and it's San F R A. And she's like, okay, San Francisco. Okay. Okay. She also, the only other weird thing that she sees in the room that is like at all noteworthy is a model of a Huey helicopter. And also she finds some photos of Lisa in her room. And one of them is of Lisa with another girl standing in front of a Huey helicopter. And Nancy's like, that's, huh? Like everything else in her seems pretty normal. So, okay. Also, I forgot to note, she has a personal computer in her room. And I was like, because her grandma's loaded. This is 19 fucking 88. Like, this is not. And Nancy's like, that's, that is not noteworthy. And I'm like, because your dad's loaded. Like, and it makes some sense. Like, there's definitely the feeling that Nancy and Lisa are probably like roughly on the same financial s- scale anyway. So, um, when Nancy's looking around, she looks out the window and she knows that there seems to be a guy who is kind of loitering outside, just staring at the apartment, just staring at it. And so Nancy's like, Ned, 
Ned, come here. And Ned comes up and he's like, hmm, you think I should go after him? And Nancy's like, yeah, we need to, we need to get him. So Lisa's mom comes in and is like, what are you, what, what's going on? And Nancy's like, there's a guy across the street looking, no, don't. And the woman, of course, like fucking goes up to the window, opens the blinds and looks out and the guy spooks. And so he runs and Nancy and Ned run after him, but he manages to make it to a bus stop before they can get there. So they're like, son of a bitch. Um, Nancy describes him as moon-faced with a dark, slick back hair. And I was like, moon-faced. There's this weird, like, hard-boiled detective vibe happening in this book, and I'm fucking here for it. I'm not going to lie to you. But also, it's it's a bit of a different tone from some of the others. But anyway, anyway. So, Nancy knows that Lisa's missing, that somebody's apparently got the apartment under surveillance, and... um. Yeah, so the next day she decides to go to Lisa's high school and see if she can find out anything about her. And, of course, because Nancy and her friends are, like, five minutes out of high school, basically, or at least look at, um, they're able to blend in. Like, Bess just walks up into the the office and is like, hey, I'm transferring from North Dakota, and my name is Bess Stevens, and... I do not have my transcript. And so they, they call this fictional high school that Bess has made up. And so she's able to get a hint. Uh, she's able to look at the records and find out which locker is Lisa's, you know, for reasons. Nancy goes and just blends in and finds out the name of Lisa's best friend, who she asked Lisa's mom. She was like, okay, so who's Lisa's best friend? Like, because she's got photos. Nancy can see that she's clearly got some friends that she's, at least knows well enough to have some selfies with. And Lisa's mom was like, I don't know. I mean, it's like Dawn something. Like she's, I've only seen her like twice. And Nancy's like, wow, you're the worst. So she asks around, find out Dawn's last name, stops her in the hallway. And she's like, hey, are you, I was hoping to join a flying club. Like my dad's Navy. We just transferred to Pearl. And I was hoping to find maybe a flying club here. And Dawn, like, immediately lights up. She's like, oh, my God, yes. Like, we are so much into flying, and it is so great. And she finds out that um, Lisa went to – she uh, – Diana likes to send Lisa off to summer camps because she doesn't want to fucking deal with her. So she sent her to a camp, a summer camp that was in California. And while she was there, Lisa had the opportunity to learn how to fly a Huey. And Lisa is apparently deeply into that. Like, she's always loved that. And so Nancy's like, Nancy's able to talk about it because she's like, oh, yeah. Dawn's like, have you, do you fly, like, fixed wing? And Nancy's like, yeah, I fly fixed wing. And they're like, oh, well, we're really, we're really into helicopters. And Nancy's like, this is adorable. It's like the weird horse girl fixation, but uh, helicopters. Anyway, um, so Nancy, of course, knows how to fly, like, canonically. Nancy learned how, and she's like, I'm glad that Ned taught me into learning how to fly, like, a couple years ago, which is adorable because also this means that they've been dating for a hot minute. And I love that Ned's like, you know, you need flying lessons for reasons because I know shit about you and you're going to need this shit. So along with defensive driving, she can also fly a fucking aircraft, small ones, small ones. Anyway. So, um, so she finds out that she finds out that Lisa was into that and she asks about Lisa's home life and Dawn's like, oh, okay, it was, it's horrible. Um, Diana is completely self-absorbed. We call her Picasso <laughs> because all she fucking cares about is her art. Um, her mom and her most recent stepdad were like cats and dogs, like yelling at each other all the time, throwing shit. Like he is definitely not father of the year. He, 
like, and Nancy's like, is there anything? Mm, and Dawn's like, no, it was never like that. It was just that they were just really incompatible and they don't get along. And Nancy's like, okay, just, just checking. So like, there's not any, like, was there abuse in the, like, that's not where she goes with it, but it's kind of like very, very, very gently hinted at. So she's saying, no, there wasn't. It was just that she felt neglected. And so she wanted to go. And so Nancy's like, okay. And she asked about Michelle. She asked about the other girl. And um, she's like, yeah, the three of us were like best friends. And then Michelle, um, her parents got divorced. And so they moved back to San Francisco. And Nancy's like, San Francisco. So she pieces together that probably what happened is... um, Lisa just got completely fucking fed up. Her mom gave her the perfect opportunity when she was like, can you go to the safe deposit box and get the stuff that I need for my trip? And she just took it. She decided that she was going to take bear bonds and whatever else she could possibly use to get to San Francisco. Like, could it have been acting out? Maybe. Could it have been like, I want some attention? Maybe. But also Nancy's like, I'm pretty sure that she just wanted to go to San Francisco and be with her friend. Like, it's the likeliest explanation. But there's been no indication that Lisa has actually left. And if Lisa stole jewelry, then she would need to fence it. And that's going to take a hot minute. And she's also 16. And bear bonds. Like, oh my God. Bear bonds. You can really fucking easily put a bolo out on that. So Nancy's like, okay, okay, cool. So she's still here on the island. She's got a bunch of shit that it would take her some serious effort to translate into cash so that she could get anywhere. So... Yeah, so there's that. So that's what they find out. Nancy breaks into her locker, which hilariously, like, Nancy actually puts her ear up against the fucking locker and turns the tumblers until she can hear them click. Like, she's that level of badass. Um, So when she gets into the locker, I think that she doesn't really... She does find, like, a list of flights with one in particular circled, and one of them is the Honolulu to San Francisco flight. But again, she knows that, that Lisa hasn't actually left. Um, I don't think she finds anything else in the locker of note. And um, and then two guys walk up to her and one grabs her and is like, what are you doing breaking into lockers? And Nancy's like, what are you doing putting your fucking hands on me? But anyway, so it's a black cop and a white cop. And Nancy's like, huh, so what What brings you here? Did, are you here looking for Lisa? And they're like, we're here looking for the owner of this locker, yes. And Nancy's like, Oh, hilariously, at that point, like, a biology instructor steps out in the hallway and is like, unhand that girl. Do I need to take you to the office? And that's when they flash badges. Um, so they introduce themselves to Nancy, and Nancy's like, yes, I am Nancy Drew of Toaster Strudel fame. And one of them is like, Nancy Drew, um, did you do that smuggling thing in Seattle? And Nancy's like, hell yeah, I did. And he's like, we cool, we cool. So what they found out is that the cops found out that Lisa had approached somebody um, wanting to sell a diamond. They found that out from a confidential informant. And Nancy immediately, this is hilarious to me, Nancy immediately is like, if the cops fucking know that Lisa approached somebody on the street trying to fuck a fin- fucking fence a diamond, then everyone knows. Then she's in a lot of danger. Like, Nancy knows this immediately. <laughs> she's like, the cops find out shit last. So she's like, oh, okay, um, so... If I were trying to fence a diamond around here, who would I go to? Like, who who's the most likely, you know, if you're a baby theft, thief and you want to fence some shit. And they're like, oh, you'd go to Boomer. And she's like, cool, tell me everything. So 
So Nancy goes to the local mall, which is apparently where Boomer hangs out, so that he can get shit off the local shoplifters. Um, and she takes Bess with her, and she's like, Bess, go into that store and buy me a pair of earrings and three bracelets. And Bess is like, I was born for this. And so she walks in and walks out with what are apparently actually like nice, legit jewelry bracelets and earrings. Anyway, so she shows them to Nancy, and Nancy... they're staking out the mall for like fucking hours waiting for Boomer to show up. And I'm like, of course his name is Boomer. Of course it is. So they eventually spot him. Like they, they split up and Ned signals Nancy that he sees him. So Nancy walks over to him. She's like, Hey, and he's like, hi. And she says, do you want to see what I got? And she pulls out the earrings and he's like, that looks nice. And she's like, yeah, it does. It's, it's really cool. The five finger discount, but I kind of need some cash. And he's like, cool. Meet me in the parking garage in 10 minutes. And Nancy's like, fuck yeah. So she goes to the parking garage. Ned is loitering nearby in a parking deck. And I'm like, can one have a young man loitering in a parking deck without looking like he's plotting a serial killing or possibly some light kidnapping? IDK. So he's nearby. Boomer stops at Nancy's car and she's like, okay, so how does this work? And he's like, okay, so I pay you half now. And then you go to the pay phones and the other half is going to be in the pay phone slot. And you, that's where you put the stuff. And Nancy's like, how do I know that somebody's not stealing it right now? Side note, pay phones. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, so he's like, somebody's watching it. It's fine. And then he spots the fucking moon faced guy. And Nancy flips out because she's like, shit. Why is he following me? Is Lisa near here? What is going on right now? And he is, again, okay, as you probably know, but may not, the concept of the rough shadow. So, because I read a lot of fucking Perry Mason books. Okay, the concept of the rough shadow is if you want somebody to know that they're being followed because you want to provoke them to guilt or some sort of flight response or any something that's going to indicate the thing that you want, then they're obvious about it. Like, they're the people who are like holding up upside down newspapers and are like just stomping after you with a malevolent glare on their faces. The smooth shadow is the person who was like, oh my God, did you see that guy following you? Oh my God, are, are you okay? And they gain your confidence. And so you tell them like, oh, well, recently I may have stolen something at work and I'm afraid that they're like a detective who's after me. And so that's how you do that. He's like the fucking roughest shadow of all, moon face guy. So he pops up and um, Boomer's like, he ain't going to do shit. He's a cop. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. But then he sees that Nancy's like flipping out a little bit because she's like, fuck, like this is really, really bad. And he flips out and he says that, oh, Nancy's working with a cop. So he fucking pulls out a pistol and is like, you back off. I'm going to shoot her. And Moonface guy's like, I don't know. what. No, no, this is a misunderstanding. And Nancy's like, yeah, it's a misunderstanding. So anyway. Um, Ned, of course, runs over because he is there to fuck shit up on his girl's behalf. Um, Nancy does manage to get the gun away from Boomer. Um, but Boomer runs off and Nancy, like the cops are nearby because they wanted to talk to him anyway, blah, blah, blah. So he runs off. Nancy, Nancy tackles him. Nancy fucking tackles him. Ned comes up and holds him in a wrestling pose hold so that Nancy can talk to him. Um, and she's like, okay, did you talk to Lisa? She shows him a picture. And he's like, yeah, she approached me like yesterday. She wanted to sell me a diamond. And he's like, okay, um, so did you do the same thing with her that you did with me? Where you, you know, said half up front or whatever. And he said, no, no. She said that she wanted to be the one to like coordinate and handle all of it. So 
nothing has actually happened yet. She said she'd get back in touch with me. And Nancy's like, okay, um, well, in exchange for your information, I will not tell the cops that you pointed a gun at me. And he's like, that's fair. He actually screams for his lawyer. So the cops come up and Nancy's like, arrest him. He is trying to steal stolen merchandise. Wink. So that they won't know about the gun thing. And you're like, you're adorable. So the one thing that Boomer does tell Nancy that's alluded to her next thing is that because Boomer didn't trust Lisa because the whole thing felt weird, he thought that maybe she was an undercover cop because, again, she's 16 and doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Um, he followed her back to where she went, and Nancy was like, fuck yeah, where'd she go? And he's like, she went to this rundown apartment house. So he tells her the name of it, and she's like, okay. So they head off to go there, Nancy and her friends do, in their new car, their new car. Um, which, again, I was like, okay, so Nancy, you told Boomer to meet you at your rental car. So now the moon face guy knows what car you're in, but it's fine. Um, anyway, so they get in the car. They're heading out. They run, They go through a construction site that has a big sign up that says turn off your radios and I was trying to think and I I remember this from this book specifically because of how unusual it was but I don't know if I've ever seen that anywhere else but anyway so there's a big sign and so Nancy makes sure that her radio is off but when they pull up the person who is like stopping traffic and everything and making sure everything's fine looks over and there's like a lamp nearby that lights up and he's like oh my god no you didn't turn your radio off and like get down and some fucking tnt goes off on the construction site because it was on a radio transmitter for detonation and nancy's like what and there's a cop nearby of course and he comes over and he's like what what's going on here and nancy's like i don't fucking know like we're all fine like the car's okay but holy shit um so he the cop actually turns on his radio and he's like okay there's something in your car emitting at a frequency so there's something in this car and they search the entire car and under one of the seats ned finds a an audio transceiver with a little green light on it and nancy's like huh okay so that's probably a listening device so that's fun and the cop looks at everyone he's like yeah the this this would be used for, like, listen, like, they bugged your car, basically. Somebody bugged your car. Nancy, of course, is like, cool, doesn't file a report or anything. Um, they check it over, and he says, like, this is from, it's a Japanese company that it came from. And he's like, oh, yeah, they make a ton of, like, this this kind of equipment. So this is just, like, pretty generic. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. Um, so they disable it, and Nancy's like, okay, so somebody's been listening in on us, and they know what our car looks like. So that's fun. This is fucking weird. Like, we've got the Malahini Corporation trying to kill us, and then we've got Lisa who's vanished, and are the two things related? And Anyway, so they get to the apartment house, and um, Bess and George come in and say that they want to rent an apartment to get them out of the way. So Nancy and Ned go up and find where Lisa's name is listed on the register. They grab the master key, and they go upstairs. Because, of course, they do. Video cameras are a thing for other people. They go into the apartment, Nancy's like, Lisa, and she opens up the door, and the apartment is fucking empty as shit. It has been completely emptied. The floor has been waxed. Everything has been cleaned. Nancy can't find fingerprints on anything, like, that level. And she's like, what the living fuck? 
And when she's looking around, um, it, everything, the, the, the walls have been washed, everything. So she looks over and she sees that the curtain rod has, they actually left curtains on the curtain rod, so that's fun. But two of the rings have slipped off. And she walks over and she says, huh, okay. Um, she pulls down the curtain rod and inside she finds one of the bear bonds and an invoice or a shipping, it, it looks like a shipping list or, or an invoice for some products. And it's to the Malahini Corporation. And one of the things that's listed on it is electrical equipment from the same company that made the transceiver that Nancy just found in the car. And she's like, huh, I like it. She said, so Lisa was staying here. Lisa stashed the stuff in the curtain rod. And when she was going to leave, she just didn't, like, she got everything out except for this. And they're like, but what the, why, why is this, why is this document with this? And Nancy's like, well, it kind of proves that both things are connected. Malahini Corporation is linked to Lisa's disappearance in some way. So... They go downstairs and they ask about Lisa and the person at the desk is like, oh, she checked out an hour ago. And Nancy's like, okay. Oh, okay. Um, can you tell me anything about who moved her out? And so she gets the name of the moving company. She calls them, pretends that she's Lisa, and then asks about who hired them. And it was the Malahini Corporation. So Nancy's like, okay, okay. That's, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Nancy also goes by the bank. She wants to see the safe deposit box. She wants to see the setup and everything and learn about the whoever would have had access, who who let Lisa into it, etc. And when they walk into the bank, um, the the person who walks out is Lisa's most recent stepdad, who again is not her biological father, it's just Diana's most recent husband, who stomps off the elevator and is like, arrest those motherfuckers right now. And Nancy's like, um, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, you're just, you're like everybody else. You're just here to, to defraud this old lady. Like you're going to string her along and say that you're looking for clues when you're not. And you're just trying to get money out of her. And Nancy's like, um, bold claims. I want you to call her right now and tell her what you're saying. Cause that's not at all what's happening. The thing that Nancy knows, because Alice has told her this, is that Alice has such a controlling interest in the bank that she can fire his ass for doing this shit. And she basically thinks that while she's looking at him. She's like, go ahead. Go ahead, bitch. Go ahead and tell her that's what you think. She told me to investigate this, and I'm going to do that. And if you're going to interfere with my investigation, you're going to tell her. So, suck it. So, he calls her and he's like, yes, I've got her here and I'm going to have her arrested. And Alice is basically like, why don't you just choke on a dick? So anyway, side note, the fun stuff in here that I was like, L. Ron Hubbard, was that Lisa is like being pursued by this shadowy corporation and also there's volcanoes. And I was like, L. Ron Hubbard had a thing about volcanoes and also boats where you could have people. She's aboard the free winds. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's where that came in. And I was like, so if we need an Elron candidate for this book, it's going to be Ross. Russ? I think it's Ross. Um, anyway, it's, it's the stepdad. Anyway, so he calls Alice. Alice is like, choke on a dick. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so he's like, what can I do to help you? And so Nancy's like, okay, can you tell me who actually let her into the safe deposit room? So they go over that. They go over who would have had access. So Ross is, 
I don't know. There's one guy is the president of the bank, but not the corporation that runs the bank. Like that's, that's where Alice's money is. Alice is kind of like a behind the scenes. Alice's husband went into a partnership with a guy named Lester, who was, that's a terrible name. Um, so they had, they basically had split the interest in the bank. His shares passed to Alice on his death. Lester is still alive, but he retired, but he still has his shares. So, so they own the company that owns the bank, basically. So there's a vice president named Amy, and there's a president, and his name is, I think, Mitsuo, but I may have fucking made that up. And then we have Ra- Russ. Russ? I'm going to say Russ. Who um, is another VP or the, I don't, uh, anyway, he's, he's management. He's fucking management in the bank. When Nancy walks in, she actually talks to another guy who is really nice, um, who is, who's just fresh out of his MBA and is there like being a loan officer. Can't remember his damn name to save my life. Anyway, cute, cute guy. Nancy's like, you're nice. I like you. Like, Anyway, I think his name is Jake. I'm going to call him Jake from here on out. It doesn't fucking matter. Anyway, so what do they know? They know that um, anybody actually, any Faulkner would have access to the safe deposit box. So Diana would have had access. Alice would have had access. Lisa would have had access. Lisa showing up to access the safe deposit box was unremarkable. Nobody questioned it. Um... Also, of course, administrators at the bank would have had access to the vault. So Nancy's like, okay, okay. So, mm, all right, all right. That that seems fine. So she's kind of at a dead end at that point because she doesn't really know who to talk to. Um, they decide to ask to go to the beach because I think that um, Lisa apparently met with Boomer at the beach. So they go to the beach and they're asking around and they're not finding anybody. And then I think George actually finds a surfer who says that he remembers seeing Lisa that morning. Um, He came out to catch some hot waves and, and then he's like, it's not as good as the bonsai pipeline, but nothing is. So it's fine. And so he says that he saw Lisa with a, I think dark haired guy and a, uh, maybe a brown haired woman. And they were, like, looking at trash cans, and they seemed angry, and she seemed like she was in some sort of distress. And she, they pulled her into a car and left before he could get there to see what was going on and maybe help. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. So she's pretty sure that they're trying to find that last bearer bond and retracing her steps. But also it seems like Lisa is now in the custody of the Malahini Corporation and that they are not really in much of a mood to deal with her basically. So let me think. Ooh, the next thing that happens, I think actually is that, um, Nancy's somewhere with Bess and she notices that the moon face guy is following them and she's like, fuck this shit. Let's, let's get this ass. And Bess is like, this is the shit I'm here for. Nancy's like, I need you to go pretend you're shopping. And Bess is like, have we met? There will be no pretending in this scenario. There will be me fucking shopping. So, um, she goes in the shops. Nancy manages to f- to get the Moonface guy to like to trail him along until he follows them out because she's pretty sure that he doesn't know where they are. She calls George and tells George to basically be on the lookout. So they they lead him back out to where they are, and then George approaches him whenever he's clearly there loitering, looking around for them. So he comes up and he's like, 
are, do you know of a Nancy Drew? And George is like, I live on that boat over there. And I don't know of a Nancy Drew around here. I think you must have the wrong place. And he's like, I'm looking for four people, two guys and two girls. There's Nancy and Bess. And there's George and Ned. And George is like, oh, oh, I think I've seen George. He is a linebacker for uh, Oklahoma State, and he is nice. And he's like, thank you for your time. So George is like, huh. So hilariously, um, I think that, I think it's that night. Nancy's like, I need to, I need to find out about this Malahini mess. Like, two people have mentioned to Nancy that the bank's in financial trouble. Like, Alice kind of alluded to it when she was like, you know, the bank's already in trouble. I don't want to make any more trouble. And Russ said something like, you know, the, we're having financial issues. And so she's finally like, look, I need to find out about this shit because apparently it seems to be involved. So hilariously that night, Nancy goes at Alice's house and Alice is like, yes, the bank executives have come by to, quote, comfort me. And Nancy's like, that sounds horrible. When she walks in, she sees the Amy, who is the one, she hadn't met Amy yet. She had met the other two, who, they're dressed up like they've been to the bank. Amy is wearing, like, a fucking cocktail dress. And I was like, yeah, she just popped by to comfort you, slash have a drink, and maybe go on a date later. So, um... They introduce everybody because Alice had invited all four of them over. And so they're like, yes, this is Nancy Drew, who's um, investigating Lisa's disappearance. And <clears throat> and Ned, her boyfriend. And then there's Bess and George. And Amy stares at George and is like, your name is George? And George is like, has been all my life, bitch. What you got about it? What, what's she going to do about it? And Amy's like, no, nothing. It's, it's fine. And Nancy's like, which... I fucking love at this point the idea of them playing George as like completely fucking trans. Like, just lean in. Just fucking lean in on it. Like, you're already halfway there. Anyway, that's fine. Um, yeah. Just, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, they have dinner together and Nancy's like, so what do y'all know about the Malahini Corporation? And immediately, like, Russ drops his fork and is like, where the fuck did you hear that? And Nancy's like, tell me everything, because I think they're fucking involved. Okay, strap in, bitches. The Malahini Corporation has been trying to fuck with the bank. And you're like, of course they have. Anyway, Alice tells Nancy, I think, like, in a later scene, that Russ was hired from the United States, from the mainland, because he he seemed like some hot shot who was going to make them a bunch of money. Russ's plan was to, and Alice mentions this earlier in the book, but Russ's plan was to loan money to small Pacific island nations, basically. And that would be how they made money, is the interest on those loans. However, um, the... Countries apparently just stopped paying on the loans or were not making sufficient payments on the loans, so the bank was losing money on those loans. What they decided to do, the bank executives, was to buy a development in Hawaii and work on that and sink all their money into that and making that a success. And once it paid off, like, they wouldn't have any money money troubles. And it was going to be fine. But then the Malahini Corporation came in and started became the biggest property developer on the islands. And I was like, which seems hard to do, but okay. Um, and they started sniping at the project. They wanted to tank the project and then fuck with the bank. 
Now, if the Malahini Corporation succeeded, if the bank failed because they were unable to go through with this big housing project, um, then something. It's kind of like the question marks and then profit thing. Like, they're, clearly they have some sort of financial gain involved in fucking with the bank. Something. Something. Um, the, the people at the bank are pretty sure that, like, there's an inside man at the bank, that there's somebody at the bank who's trying to sabotage them, basically, but they don't know who. When Nancy talks to the police officers who she's made friends with at this point, she's like, okay, so Malahini Corporation, what can you find out about them? Nancy has the P.O. box that the manifest or shipping list or invoice went to, and the cops have basically that. Actually, they found out that the Malahini Corporation has an account at the Bank of Nova Scotia through the Cayman Islands, that Malahini Corporation was incorporated in the Cayman Islands. And so Nancy, in this book, which, I, yeah, anyway, this seems fairly common knowledge, but anyway, um, finds out that any corporation which is initiated in the Cayman Islands or has business dealings or is headquartered there, um, basically, the United States can't fucking get into their financial records. And a little dude at the bank, Jake, who is like, oh, yeah, it's it's a tax haven. Like, that's where you put your money when you don't want the U.S. government to know about it or tax it. And Nancy's like, okay. And there's no telling who did it. Like, they, they can't find any records on that. So Nancy's like, huh. And the cop says, so here's the thing. You can't find anything about these people. We can't find anything about these people. How the fuck does Lisa know anything about these people? And Nancy's like, that seems like question number one. So she also gets the cops to track down the license plate on the moon-faced guy's car because George managed to get that while she was fucking with him. So um, they trace it to the Apex Detective Agency, and Nancy heads out there by herself. She wants to go there and talk to the guy. And let me think. I don't think that she actually does. I think that she gets into the building and she knows it is kind of run down and the, it seems like it's not going to be that great. And and then somebody fucking chloroforms her ass. So that that is that chapter. When she wakes up in the next chapter, she's across the backseat of a car. <laughs> it's a nice car. And she is taken out to another palatial estate and when she walks in it's Lester the other guy who has shares in the bank and he's there with Amy and Mitsuo and Russ and Nancy's like so you're the Malahini Corporation and Lester's like I like that you said that I like that you're already on that page tell us everything that you know and Nancy's like why the fuck would I tell you anything I know and Lester's like we're not the Malahini Corporation. The, I have interest in the bank, and they're they're fucking with me. So I want to know everything that you know about them because I want to, I, I want to get past this. I don't, you know, I'm I clearly have a lot of money that's tied up in this shit. Nancy is throughout. She is, and and she even mentions this to Lester. She's like, so Lisa, and he's like, I can, I could never understand why my business partner had children. Like, children are a distraction whatever the fuck I'm I don't whatever's going on with Lisa like I hope she's fine or whatever the fuck but my interest is in the bank and that seems to be what a lot of the people are saying like Nancy is taken aback by Diana basically being like 
but my art show and Alice being like, but I mean, we can't fuck with the bakes image. And Nancy's like, what the, do you even give a, f- no wonder she fucking ran away. Like, holy shit. Holy fucking shit, y'all. So, um, so she, Nancy tells him everything that she's found out, which is, you know, not terribly much. And Lester's like, Lester tells her about the Cayman Islands and how, like, somebody who incorporated there and how they're trying to fuck with them and everything. And, um, so Lester, when Nancy leaves, is like, you need to be careful because anybody could be, I could be the Malahini Corporation. He's like, I'm not, but I'm just saying, like, anybody could be. And Nancy's like, okay. So they, hilariously, when Nancy is driven to this estate and she's, the guy reaches in to pull her out of the car, which is the the chauffeur. It's not the actual old guy, old retired guy who is behind all this. Um, He carries her as gently as he would a baby. So he just escorts her and she struggles and he's like, much like Andre the Giant is like, that's adorable. Puts her back in the car, takes her, takes her, drives her back out to her houseboat. And she's like, and I do not thank you for this. And I'm like, he was just doing his fucking job. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, so Ned's like, there you are. And they hug. And I was like, yes, y'all need to have some comfort sex. Get on it. I have no idea of your sleeping arrangements. I assume it's on top of each other. Go for it. Go to town. So Nancy, because they have the bear bond, I, I think some other shit happens in here. They do go talk to Wally. Um, Wally is the name of the guy who is the apex. He is the moon face guy. They go talk to him. He says that he received everything was done by letter, actually telegram. He says the first one came by telegram. Um, he was hired to look for Lisa, and then, like, later on the same day, he was told not to look for Lisa anymore. He was told to keep an eye on Nancy Drew instead. Um, he had not yet cashed the second check, so he got a retainer for the first case and a separate retainer for the second case, and the cops take that check. It was, like, $20,000, and he looks on in dismay as they, because he's like, I haven't had time to cash it, and I was like, bitch, somebody hands me a twenty grand check. I'm going to find the fucking time to cash that shit, but okay. Um, anyway. So, yeah, they just communicated by letter. He has no idea who it is. He's been, like, also, he's a shitty detective. I'm just going to throw that out there. You already know this. You already know this. Also, the fact that the cops are not like, we can take it from here. They're like, Nancy, you seem to be doing a fine fucking job. Go to town. So, Nancy finds, oh, also, she notes in the letter that it specifies that it's going to be two guys and two girls. Because that's where he got it from, of course. That's why whenever Wally came out to the boat, he was like, okay, I'm looking for two guys and two girls. And Nancy's like, huh. Huh. Okay. That, that seems significant. So, um, she's looking at the bear bond and she's like, damn, I wish that Lisa had left a note or something on this, something to let us know what was going on. And then Nancy's like, they don't know that she didn't. So... She decides that she is going to um, basically figure this shit out. So she she calls Alice. Okay, Alice has received at this point a ransom demand. The ransom demand is that basically Alice, I think also Lester and the other executives at the bank are to share their majority shareholder all their majority shares to Malahini Corporation at a price that they will name or they will never see Lisa again. And as proof of 
having Lisa, they sent a bracelet that apparently Lisa wore all the time that Alice gave her. So Alice is freaking out, and Nancy's like, look, I've got an idea, I've got a plan, um, just hang tight. Don't sell your shares, don't do anything until I call you. Take your phone off the hook, which I thought was an interesting call, but anyway. Then she calls Lester. What a terrible name. Um, she calls him, she's like, hey, so I've located a bearer bond that um, Lisa had. She wrote a note on the back of it. It's uh, it's been water damaged, but I'm going to take it to the police because maybe they can analyze it. And he's like, oh my God, really? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, like, and he, he says something like, well, I need to call and maybe you should bring it to me or take it to the bank or whatever. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to take it to the cops. So then she hangs up the phone and Ned's like, explain. And Nancy says, okay, so Lester is going to call Alice, but he won't get Alice. So he's going to basically spread this rumor. He's going to tell everybody who he's involved with. The person who is behind all this has to stop me before I can get to the police station with this bearer bond. So they're going to call me. They are going to try to intercept me to interact with me before I can get to the police station. So Nancy's sitting there and I don't, I think they wait like maybe 15 minutes when all of a sudden the phone rings and it's Amy who was like, Hey, so you've got a bear bond that you're going to take to the police. And Nancy's like, yeah. And Amy's like, let me send my car and driver for you. And Nancy's like, that sounds perfect. So she gets the cops to actually wire her up. Nancy, Nancy is wiretap for this shit. She is, she is running hot. She's also got a transceiver and a barrette. I was like, classy touch. Nice. How big is it? It's fine. So she gets wired up. She gets in the back of the car. Amy's there. And Nancy's like, cool. And Amy's like, so can I see it? I just, I just wanted to take a look at it just to confirm that it's real. And so Nancy hands it over and she flips it over to the back where Nancy said there was a note and there's nothing there. And Amy's like, I don't understand. You said there was a, and Nancy's like, so you're the, um, you're the corporation, you're the Malahini corporation. And Amy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Nancy's like, so Lisa went and cleaned out the, oh, she also, the other thing that Nancy found out when she was, um, after the ransom demand, um, Diana actually seemed fucking concerned at that point and concerned that they, because they were like, you'll never see her again. And she was like, oh my God, my daughter, I'm, I'm so upset. And Nancy's like, finally, the actual emotions that she should have been showing earlier. Again, did y'all escape from Scientology? As that's what's fucking happening here because holy shit, y'all. Anyway, so Nancy's like, who had access to the safe deposit box and would have known that because apparently, you know, you didn't use it that much. So who would have known that you weren't using it? Who would have had access to that box to put the Malahini Corporation information in there? And Diana's like, well, at first it was my ex-husband, but of course, since we got divorced, um, the fi- my financial advisor was Mitsuo, but then he, he took on another role with the company. So most recently it's been Amy and Nancy was like, cool. So Amy knew that Diana wasn't often checking into the box and Amy was hiding the Malahini Corporation documents in that deposit box. And so when Lisa cleaned it out, she went through the shit that she recovered. She realized who it was 
And she contacted that person and basically was like, I know shit about you. You need to help me get out of the country. So, which, again, ballsy move. I like it. So, Lisa contacted Amy. Amy was like, oh, well, you know, let me send somebody. I'll I'll take care of it. And then instead, she, like, fucking kidnapped Lisa instead of helping her, which, chaw. So, Amy's, of course, got nothing to lose at this point. So, she's like, okay, so why don't you go see Lisa? And... Nancy, at that point, now that she's got all the incriminating information on her tape recorder, um, removes her tape recorder and hides it at the airport, which is where they've been hiding Lisa, um, because she's afraid that they're going to find it otherwise. So, and indeed they do. Almost as soon as Nancy takes it off and hides it, um, Amy comes back in, they search them, and they get them onto a Huey helicopter. And you're like, of course they fucking do. As soon as they get on the helicopter, and Lisa, as soon as she meets Nancy, is like, how, why should I trust you? I don't know that you're not like a plant, basically. And Nancy's, Nancy takes off the wire at that point and is like, look, I was wired up for this conversation. Um, it's got incriminating information about Amy. And if you think that I'm a plant, then you will just tell them about it. But if you don't, then you'll help me hide this. And Lisa's like, well, shit. <laughs> so she helps Nancy hide it. Um, they get on the Huey. And as soon as they get on the Huey, Lisa calls out to Nancy, watch out for the donut ring. And Nancy's like, what? Because Nancy's not been on a Huey before, which I think is true. Anyway, so Lisa tells Nancy that, of course, because Lisa is a Huey enthusiast, much as some girls are into horses, Lisa is into helicopters. Now that I said Lisa and helicopters, I'm picturing a Lisa Frank helicopter, and it is amazing. Um, anyway, so Lisa tells Nancy that this is a Huey that's probably like um, Vietnam surplus. She legit says Vietnam. Um, and that whenever the soldiers were going to basically rappel down from the aircraft, that they would hook the ends of their rappel lines to the donut ring in the middle of the helicopter. So that's how she knew about it. And Nancy's like, good to know. Good to know. So what's going to happen, you ask? Virgin sacrifice. So Amy has chartered this Huey to go on a sightseeing trip to fling Nancy and Lisa into a fucking live volcano like actually the Chekhov's volcano has been erupting for some time in the during the text like whenever they go to the apartment house the there's a tv on it there that's like this volcano is erupting I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce it because I would butcher that shit so they send them out there um Amy's not on the helicopter of course there's also a point in the book where Amy's purse is beeping and they're like oh you need to shut off that beeper and she seems kind of wigged out by it. And Nancy's like, you just, you didn't want to open your purse when you were around me because the beeper was the same as the transceiver. Like, it's the same kind of equipment. Which, again, 1988 beeper. Fucking adorable as shit. Anyway, so um, they send them out there. Nancy is handcuffed but manages to use a the tiniest possible piece of metal to pick the lock on it. Because this is a long air. This is a long helicopter trip. It's taking a hot minute. Um, so while they're doing that, the unhinged henchman who is on there with them has a gun and is like, okay, get up. We're going to, I'm going to fling you to the volcano. And Nancy's like, I'm not down for that shit. Not down for it. So she manages to get her handcuffs off just in time. Um, in the, the ensuing scuffle, the pilot is shot. The person operating the aircraft is shot in the back. Um, 
the Nancy manages to get the gun away from him, but and and it flies off the aircraft, of course. Then the gunman flies off the aircraft into the volcano, just to emphasize that, yeah, shit got real. Uh, <laughs> Nancy falls off the aircraft because, of course, the pilot is has passed the fuck out from blood loss, and the shock of having a gunshot wound in his back. And so the plane is like circling and Nancy, of course, is uncuffed and free and she flies off the aircraft, manages to catch onto the skid, the, you know, the, the foot part of the aircraft. (laughs) Um, She climbs back up into the aircraft, gets Lisa free. Lisa, of course, is instrument rated on Huey's. So um, she sits in the driver's seat the pilot seat. Nancy sits in the co-pilot seat because she has experience with aircraft. She just doesn't have experience with this particular aircraft. So she calls in that they've had an emergency. They take, they apply pressure to the wound of the pilot, um, and get him back. We don't know what happened to him. I guess he's okay. Um, so then they convene a meeting and when Amy walks in, Nancy's like, surprise, bitch. And Amy's like, oh my God, what? And Nancy's like, yeah. And Amy's like, She's lying. Everything she says is lies. Nancy's like, yeah, guess what? Bitches got all that shit on tape. Yeah, suck it. So, so Lisa is reunited with her family and they're actually, I think that they're not, not even at this meeting. So anyway, so yeah, Amy was fucking with all of them. Amy, um, actually took money from the company to start her own company and then wanted to take care of the bank. Sure. We all do. Sure. Capitalism all along. Um, so yeah, the book ends with all three of the women reunited and Alice comes out to the boat and says, I can't thank you, uh, enough. We're going to all go back to Texas and bond and have some family time. And why don't you and Ned take the boat out to Maui? It was one of my husband's and my favorite trips. And so Nancy and Ned look at each other, Bess and George are out shopping. Nancy and Ned look at each other and Nancy's like, hell yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's sail this boat out to Maui and look at it in moonlight and also make out a lot. And Ned's like, fuck yes. And that is how the book ends. Okay. So some thoughts, like I talked about with the last book, there's just this weird thing that happens in Nancy Drew books where you're like, there is no apparent list of everything that Nancy knows and everything that Nancy doesn't. So in the last book, Nancy was like, oh my God, you can just get a birth certificate from a a person who died in their infancy and then just use their information. So you can basically steal that person's identity. And I'm like, yes. I don't know when I learned that. I've known it for a long damn time. In this book, though, Nancy's like, clearly there's a transceiver in my car. Um, clearly, I know how to execute a pit maneuver. Like, all this stuff that I'm like, I love the super fucking competence of it. I love it. There's, I mean, the the fun thing is that, of course, like, Amy freaks out when she's like, oh, George is a girl. And then you're like, oh, the instructions to the private detective say that the that George is a boy. And... So Nancy takes a minute to get that together, but she does. So that's good. And she has the presence of mind to wear a wire that the cops provided. The cops, of course, are like hilariously incompetent in this book and are like, we're going to let you do this because you seem to know what you're doing. And also your father invented toaster strudel. So we're in good hands. We ain't got other shit to do. It's fine. It's totally fine. 
I think his name is Jack, not Jake, the the little, the cutie little loan officer who just got his MBA, um, who Nancy's like, Nancy notices that he seems like a cool person, but there's no flirting there. And I was like, yeah, good job. Good job all around. Um, yeah, the, the weird, like, and like Lisa being held captive by this group of like, I was like, I am getting Scientology vibes. I am. I am. Because it's like, you're from this rich family and you've been, and, mm, the weird family dynamics, the boat, the, yeah, it, it just, it all made me think of Enemy of the Show, L. Ron Hubbard, as so many things do. We have talked in the past about, like, how many female villains there are in this series, and I do like that it was a female villain for this one, too. Like, she doesn't ever actually go into any sort of motivation behind it. She could... This is one of those scenarios where, honestly, she could have been written, the character could have been male as well. Like, there was nothing really that made this a particularly feminine crime or anything like that. But I guess she would be one of the less likely ones. Nancy even goes through and tries to name off, like, motives for everybody. And she's like, maybe the ex-husband, just his pride was hurt because the his grand plan didn't actually net any results. And... He knows that he's under his ex-mother-in-law's thumb. So, like, maybe this was a way for him to get back at her. So, yeah, she goes through all this. She's like, could Diana be behind it? And she's like, she doesn't really have the motive to do it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, the very fact that most of them are saying, like, we don't want any notoriety. We don't want cops involved. We don't want it in the press or anything. And she's like, okay, so it's probably not for that. But, like, after they get the ransom demand, like, Amy's like oh my god, your granddaughter's life is at stake, you have to do what they say, you have to, and you're like, yeah, bitch, yeah, anyway, so, that's fun, um, I do think that it's really fucking interesting that the ghostwriter for this particular book was using some, like, you could have said anything about, like, the scheme that didn't really work to make the bank money, but the fact that in this book, they were like, oh, he wanted to make loans to Pacific nations. And I was like, are, there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening there. Like, are, are we talking about colonialism in a very oblique way? Are we talking about, like, all this really sketchy capitalism stuff that I like it? I like it. Um and Alice saying near the end of it, she's like, you know, not, I don't, I don't fucking care. I will sell them my shares like immediately because the most important thing here is family. And you're like, there you go, honey. There you go. Capitalism has always been the wrong. It's fine. So yeah, there's that. And of course the hotel being on strike, which I was like, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah. So that's this book. I do, I, again, like we're going to set aside as we have to, like the whole, you shouldn't go to Hawaii because they don't want your shit there. And also the, the interesting like discussion of development on the island and how that's not really a, it's, it's presented as a positive and that like Alice is in charge of the bank. The bank is doing this. Therefore she has a vested interest in it succeeding. Um, this is kind of her legacy to live to her children, but also it's like, you know, this, this is not a great thing to be doing. And they don't really discuss that. And that's kind of outside the purview of this book that was written for 11 year olds. But 
it's fine. Um, yeah. So, but I like that at least the idea is being presented. I do feel like there would have been a really interesting way to do this series where Nancy was slowly radicalized, but that's just me. Yay! Okay. Next week. Okay. I will say that it's very possible that I'm positive for COVID right now, so I can't say that next week this is going to be released on Friday, but please understand that if I die, my ghost is contractually obligated to deliver that episode to you whenever it's possible. Possibly using Morse code and scratchy, staticky shit. IDK. Um, Anyway, next time, Gadget, um, we are going to be looking at Till Death Do Us Part, which... Oh my god. It is my second favorite book in this series. And you're like, how is it not your first favorite? And the first favorite is always going to be Files 99 for reasons. But Files 24, which it took me a hot minute to track down because that shit was out of print by the time I knew about it. Like, one of my besties was like, oh my god, you know that Ned proposed to Nancy in one of the books. And I was like, my heart has literally stopped beating. Tell me everything. Because that's what's going to happen, y'all. Ned's going to fucking propose to Nancy. My heart. Oh, my heart. Anyway, but we're going to talk about the circumstances around that. Because you're like, it can't be that simple. It can't fucking be that simple. This was not just total fan service for me. I mean, it kind of was, though. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for all of us to experience this. So, until next time, stay sleuthy, my friends.